With thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland, this is The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jealous. Coming up on this week's show, or this day's show, the legacy of Leonard Cohen and the art of a tribute that is truly a tribute. And we're going to meet one of the very credible interpreters of Cohen's work, Pauline Scanlon, who fronts a collaboration of able musicians who are on their way to Kilkenny. Then on to contemporary art, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have in studio one of the great visual art fixers that this country has. Eamon Maxwell is both curator and advisor. And though many miles from the kind of fixing that Carvey Keitel does, he navigates complicated path in the arts world because, in a sense, his oeuvre thrives on being unlike anything that has gone before. Eamon will be kind enough, though I'm not sure he knows this, to stay on to talk with us about what's on. And uh, I made a bit of a bags of this part of the show last week, so uh, I suspect we were no help to anyone. We'll do our best to improve things this time around. Our artist and profile, then, is Gillian Gratton, primarily playwright for the stage and for the transistor radio based in Thomastown where the river seems to flow uphill and they behave as though there is always a full moon and we'll hear from the Boris House Festival and Writing Ideas guest David Mitchell the novelist not the funny man although this David is very funny and the funny one also writes books the iCloud Atlas author describes a recent visit to Carlo text to whatsapp 083 306 9696 with your thoughts reactions and if there's something on the near horizon that you think people should hear or see not just here in the southeast but elsewhere in ireland or indeed miles away but unmissable do let us know my first guest tonight is pauline scanlon of bird on the wire a show coming to the watergate theater on thursday december 15th tickets for her show are priced at 13 or for their show rather are priced at 30 euros from the watergatetheatre.ie but we've got our hands on a pair to give away to one lucky listener this evening for that performance next month all you have to do to be in a chance to win is to text or whatsapp your detail to our dinners ready text line 083 306 9696 and we'll pick a winner out of the hat at the end of the show why don't we go over now to Pauline to find out more about the show itself. Hi there, how are you? Ah, Pauline, thanks so much for being with us. A Bird on the Wire is a, is a wonderful production, a, 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 I guess a big band interpretation of Leonard Cohen's work with your own soaring vocals, with the harmonies and melodies of the Galway trio, the Wileaways, and with a clutch of, 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 of musicians. There are strings and a saxophone, drum, bass, and it is staged and choreographed and beautifully lit, and boy does it show. Yeah, it does. All of the above. <laughs> um, let, let me ask you, is, is Leonard Cohen one of the great delights to interpret? Or is it a crowded space to find something new from? Oh, I think it's the... I mean, I yeah, I think he's the best of the best in terms of interpretation because I think um, Leonard Cohen's own voice is such a distinctive thing and actually when you dig down into the songs you find really surprising bits of melody and soaring um, you know there's like the range of his voice because of his style of singing I think he kind of you know there's there's still lots left to explore within the melodies and then the words the poetry just has so many layers of mystery and meaning um, that there's always something new I mean even I've sang so many of those songs so many times now and, and I still 
here and find new things in them all the time. So it's it's a dream, really. It is, and 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 you know, it's a, it's a it's a truism that that covers often test the prowess of a song, um, but with Leonard Cohen, somehow the reinterpretations always slightly belong to him and and i wonder why that is 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 that because he's a poet first and, and musician second or why, why do you think that is i don't know if he is a poet first and a musician second you know like it's kind of hard to tell isn't it like really i mean i feel like um sometimes i actually feel like it could be the other way around you know like some of those melodies feel like the words were made to fit them and I don't know. I think it's just really hard to tell because I guess we can't ask him now. But I think the mystery of it is just in in the moment, you know, in the moment of the songs. So many of those songs feel like a little universe, like a little ecosystem all of their own. And you just wonder how on earth a a mere human brain or heart or soul conceived of of the marriage between the words and melodies that, that he achieved. And so... I don't know. It's just it is uh, even after singing them all so many times, it is a bit of a mystery to me, and and I kind of quite like that about it actually. Yeah, the Wildaways who who form part of the collective that 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 make this wonderful show um, have been described as masters of arrangement, and and mm. and I suppose they they're known for having a sort of slightly experimental temperament. So do you? Do you change your your versions of, of Cohen's shows from time to time or do you find them and refine them and then expand the canon? What's your... Um, I think we probably refine them and refine them and then expand the canon. It's probably more of that, you know. I think we we do it. We try and remain... You know, I think we all have the, the versions of these songs and the Leonard Cohen versions. I think the thing about people who really love Leonard Cohen is that they're faithful companions. And so they listen to the music and they've lived with the music for an awful long time, some of it. So we do try and stay faithful to original arrangements, but also put in a little bit of ourselves in it. And the fact that I suppose out of the four singers, three of us are women and we all lead them and we all sing harmonies for each other. So... Um, I would say that we're probably we probably don't deviate massively from it, but we do we do our little bits and pieces of interpretation here and there. But it's kind of a bit of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I know. And tell <laughs> me, well. Pauline, do you do you react to the lyrics emotionally as you're speaking? Do you weep? Do you swell with happiness? Do you sink oh, with yeah, melancholy? Do you do you sing as a man or a woman? Um, I sing as a person. I don't know if I've ever really thought about it that way, but I um, we definitely cry in the in the gig. <laughs> That's happened to all of us on occasion, for sure. <laughs> okay, let me perhaps let, let me finish up by asking you what your favourite Leonard Cohen covers are, because the decades have gone by and they're not they haven't been lessened by the brilliance of the compositions in their original form, nor their cousins. And obviously, people will be aware of Joe Cocker's "Bird on a Wire" or Nina Simone's "Suzanne" or Nick Cave's "Terror Song." with Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah, obviously. Um, yeah. What's your favourite? Um, that's a really good question. I've never really thought about that. Anthony and the Johnsons had um, had a really amazing If It Be Your Will. I think that's probably mine. Yes, beautiful, beautiful. And there's, yeah. a, and, and, and a, there's, a, there's a version of Joan of Arc, I'm trying to recall who made the... Um, the the cover it, cover of it, but actually when I was when I was um, looking into your own work a little bit, um, that was the recording that struck me most. And so, uh, if it's okay with you, um, we might we might find a, a moment to uh, to put that on. Uh, we're going to we're no going to. <laughs> you're very kind. Well, um, we're going to. Um, 
we're going to thank you very much, Pauline, for being with us and, and, so and, uh, and talking to me. And just to, to say again, um, you and um, your, your band of your missions, your, your, your 27 angels from the great beyond and your own golden, golden voice, December the 15th in the Watergate. Brilliant. Hopefully we'll see you there. All right. Thank you. The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jellis with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. Carlo Kilkenny KCLR
devil of a thing to choose a Leonard Cohen song without disappearing down a, a YouTube roll. But uh, that was Joan of Arc, um, as performed by the Bird on the Wire group that's coming to Kilkenny on December 15th. Um, and, and while I'm there, the, the version of Joan of Arc that I was trying to think of and I couldn't recall before was, um, was Jennifer Warnes' version, who I'm told um, was once a backing vocalist with Leonard Cohen himself, and she performed in duets with Joe Cocker. So there's plenty of beautiful heritage to follow there. Anyway, a pair of tickets... Um, to give away to Bird on the Wire live at the Watergate, December 15th. All you have to do is text or WhatsApp your details to our Dinners Ready text line, which is 083 306 9696. And um, somewhere at the end of the show, we'll pluck something out of a hat and um, make someone happy. So uh, I'm now joined by our studio guest, and he is a man that I've come across a few times over the years. Um, the time I can remember best was... Um, when he was working on a Willie McKeown exhibition down Lismore, but he's also worked alongside Corbin Walker on the Venice Biennale um, and was involved in Tig McSweeney's beautifully named edifice complex in up the road in Carlo and has worked with Dorothy Cross and various other heroes. Um, and he's now living amongst us and has been for five years, so it's an honour to have you here, Eamon Maxwell, in the studio. Well, thank you, Hugo. That's a very lovely introduction. Uh, living amongst you feels very um, special. Well, um, it is, and 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 as we were saying before, um, before you um, you joined us um, on uh, on the on the radio, we um, we both share a sort of a newness to living in Kilkenny. I, I spent a few years here as well, and it's it's a, it's a really super place to live, you know, culturally and socially and agriculturally, and and um, you know, it's 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 wonderful to to be able to come back here and talk about that. But I actually want to turn straight to you to to talk a little bit more about you and what you do because um, behind so much great art there are people who move silently in the night the facilitators <laughs> the deal makers the impresarios the curators the ones who help people get to the other side of the road um, and and artists are often not very good at it and you know they're, they're, they're not good with their accounts and they don't want to be good at their accounts um, and so they want to really focus on making their work. Um, 
they need help just as writers need agents and publishers and, and filmmakers need someone to commission them to start m making a film. So your field is contemporary art mm -hmm. and um, and that's your field as a curator and a teacher and a, an advisor and um, you, you help collectors and students and so on. And I, 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 my, my own feeling is, is that you navigate some of the most complicated terrain uh, that is um, contemporary art. So I wonder how it is that you came to fall in love with that particular area of, of, of the arts and... Um, and whether you share my feeling that there's an impatience about contemporary art, a pursuit of the the next, um, an unusual relationship with what has gone before, mm. um, how does your how does your relationship work? Well, it's interesting that there's something of the night as a, as a recovering goth that Stephanie's still there. You know? <laughs> um, but my, my relationship goes back to like very young you know being my mum was a was a nurse but also a drawer she drew in the house and my dad was a craftsman and was an amazing man with his hands so it was always that sense of making was around and I drifted off into other careers and then ended up um, going to art school in London um, initially I thought I was going to be an artist but I kind of realised in my last year of college I didn't have that the thing that makes me an artist and what I mean by that is and I still say this to this day that when I wake up in the morning I don't need to make art and I think great artists have no choice Yes. when you wake up you can't not make art and I don't have that so really earlier on I said well my role is to help artists and I never knew what that was and I still don't really know what it is but I act as you know someone who helps with the professional development of artists careers um, so you know people as you said you know, contemporary art is a challenging field it's not easy it's not it's not a uh, an easy subject for lots of people and even for artists and for um, you know viewers it's it's challenging as well so my role is is that you know I, I hate the word guardian angel but it's that kind of behind the scenes just helping people with career development with getting exhibitions with developing online presence all those kind of things that they don't like doing mm -hmm. like if you're an artist today regardless of your field you are you know you're an artist you're a salesperson, you're a marketer, you're a fundraiser, you're an accountant, you're all these things, yet very few people have training or the aspiration to do any of those things themselves. Yes, that's exactly So that's it. what people like me have to help do. And so the mentoring side of what I do, you know, as was very slow to begin with, but since over the past sort of three years, it's really taken off because I think more people are realizing that they do need help in that way. And it's not, it's not something to be ashamed of or scared of and actually even people who you know who I think are really really talented and really doing amazing stuff they still need help and support there's an there's an area of of your practice that I'm interested in in touching on very quickly and then we might come back to the mentoring which is that you you're involved in um in helping and advising collectors and that area of contemporary art is also intriguing for 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 a lot of people sometimes because they they don't have the ability to be a collector for financial reasons and sometimes because it's in of itself a curiosity shop so you you've advised the arts council on their own collection and so in that sense you've bought work for every single person listening um, this evening. And so, Not sure about every single one, but a so lot. What have you purchased and why? Mm. And um, were you thinking of us all? <laughs> I mean, with the Art Council, I advise them on what to 
the artist they should be buying the actual process of acquiring work is made by a committee but you know the arts council is kind of really fascinating in that it's the only collection in Ireland where the work is only bought from the artists or their gallery at the time of at the time of making it's not a museum collection that looks back it's very much about that supporting what happens now and that reflects the rest of what I do I'm not interested in dead artists I don't mean it in a negative way I'm interested in helping people now so whether that's with mentoring or getting the work into the collection or getting them you know an exhibition that's where I see my I don't know what you call that I, people ask me what I do and I still don't know yeah lots of things and, and so <laughs> and so then presumably um, it, it, it's, um, it's, it's an area that you have to develop a different a series totally. of different personas yeah, for. Yeah. Um, we might come to that um, uh, back to that now. We're going to we're going to have go to an ad break if that's okay, Eamon, and then we're going to uh, talk quickly to uh, an artist in profile. And uh, if you'll stay with me, I have a whole heap more questions to come to. Absolutely. You're listening to the Art Show on KCLOR with Hugo Jellis, brought to you with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. Carlo Kilkenny KCLR It's time for our Artist and Profile segment where each week we'll be hearing from a Kilkenny-based creative and this week our featured artist is Thomastown-based writer Gillian Grattan. My name is Gillian Grattan and I am a writer based in Thomastown, County Kilkenny. I am originally from Swords in North County, Dublin, but I've been living down here for 15 years and I love living in Thomastown. It's a great town, great community. I love it here. I would say I'm rural based, but I live in Thomastown itself, so it's not really that rural. I mean, I'm very near the town itself. Um, I'm like two minutes from the Truffle Ferry, the chocolate shop, which is a good location. No, I'm, I'm right in the town, so I wouldn't say I'm a city chick but I'm definitely not out in the middle of nowhere so got the best of both worlds in Thomastown to be honest I'm not sure if Thomastown influences my work per se but it definitely influenced one of my plays from years back called Hooked where the river was very much a part of the theme of the play but I don't really write that way I kind of write what like little ideas that pop into my head so I'm not necessarily I'm not sure if that's necessarily to do it where I live but yeah I suppose some of the plays I've written have been based in rural locations so yeah maybe a career highlight for me was when I found out my play it was called The Fish Out of Water was going to be performed in Buffalo New York by the Irish Classical Theatre Company I'd entered a competition and I was runner up but, uh, I, you know, that was great and everything. But um, about a year later, they contacted me and said they wanted to put the play on. I was like, great. But they actually brought me over to Buffalo and stuff. So I was over there for a week. I got to sit in on rehearsals and got to hang around Buffalo and see the theatre and hang out with the cast and stuff. So that was a really great experience. That was a while back. But, um, I mean, there's a lot of highlights. But that's definitely one that I remember kind of near. So that was amazing to get over there and see that. Being an artist in Kilkenny is great, I guess. I'm very busy. I'm very busy because I, I work as a dramaturg with the ETB. So I'm working with loads of different groups between Carlo and Kilkenny. At the minute, I'm working on a couple of things. I'm working on a play, a full-length play. I don't want to say too much about it. It sounds like it's top secret, but it's just that I'm kind of in the middle of working on that. So it's a play about three women who are best friends and what they do when they find out this piece of information, what they're going to do. It's kind of a dark comedy, I suppose. That's kind of my thing. most rewarding part of being an artist is that I'm actually getting to do a job that I really love. Every day is different for me. 
whether I be sitting down and writing or if I'm sitting working with a group. I'm working with different groups all the time, so you're constantly working with different people all the time. I'm working with uh, my own drama group, Kada, and at the heart of everything I do is storytelling, so the drama group that I have with the kids, they're all making up their own plays, so they're learning about creative writing as well. So I guess it's rewarding to see an idea go from page to stage, whether it's my own stuff or whether it's for other groups that I work with. But I did theatre studies when I left school. Like back then, it was like you do a secretarial course or you you do something like that. Uh, college wasn't an option. But I went back to college as a mature student. I went up to Northern Ireland, I went to University of Ulster, Coleraine, did theatre arts spent a year in California on an exchange. I was so fluky, so lucky that I got to do all those things. But I was very lucky, but I also put the work in and the research. So I think if it's something that you have inside you, you think I'd really like to do that, just look into your options and see what you can do to make it happen. I think do it, just go and do it. Sounds a bit cheesy, but if follow your dreams, I don't, I mean, that is cheesy, but like, I mean, I've had people over the years saying, you'll never earn anything in the arts. And I know that's true for a lot of people, but if you really believe in something and you're like, right, I'm really good at, I don't know, whatever your art form may be, just give it a go, give it a lash. I would say don't have any regrets. So you can find out more about me. You can go to my Facebook page, uh, Gillian Grattan. I'm on Instagram at Gillian Grattan. And I do have a website, but that's more for my kids drama groups that's that's theaterurtada.com yeah, and another thing I'm doing is I work with a group called What's On Tom Productions and we're based in Thomastown as well a little theatre company that we've started up here so we're looking for short scripts so What's On Tom is also another place you can find me um, and that's it yeah you can just google me and you'll get like a million hits you won't really That was Gillian Grattan, Thomastown-based writer, um, and and, um, and writer not just of of, of plays, um, but also recently of, of documentaries. So um, wonderful to hear from her, and and it would give me the opportunity to say thank you very much to Mary Butler in the Kilkenny Arts Office, who's so um, incredibly important in the development of, of of artists in the area and of their um, and of of giving them a, a, a platform to to um, to speak on and to talk about their work. So thank you very much to Mary. We're going to come back now to to Eamon Maxwell, curator, advisor, mentor, and um, and Kilkenny resident. And and um, I'm going to ask Eamon if if I could to for you to tell us about a couple of your projects, perhaps one from the past and one from the future that might. Um, Explain why you were the right guy for the job. <laughs> I'm never sure I'm that person. I mean, I guess the obvious one for a lot of people is, is working on Venice because Venice is such a m- m- magical place, and the idea of doing an Irish pavilion there is quite something special. But at the end of the day, it's just an exhibition. Mm-hmm. It just happens to take place in Venice, but it's a big project because it involves, you know, I was based in Lismore at the time. Corbin Walker, the artist, was in New York. Emily Ann Kerwin, who was the project manager, was in New York, and the venues in, in Italy. Mm-hmm. So you got this three-country project management. Amazing project, you know. We had to get venues, get staff, get funding, um, and then have an amazing exhibition for six months, and then bring it back to Ireland, tour it around, whatever. So it was a two-year project. 
and it was really fun and really really good and we had 70,000 people come through the space in Venice and that was amazing the highest numbers it had been to date so that was really incredible and is the narrative of that that um, who, who came first out of uh, out of Cormac, Corbin, or you know, how, how, what's the order of play in the in the selection of your Venice Biennale artist? Well, the way you you get it now is that you apply as a team. Mm-hmm. So the three of us kind of it was Emiliana and myself began the conversation, and Corbin came very quickly as the obvious artist we wanted to work with, and so we put together a package and pitched it in. Two interview processes got the gig. So you're appointed as a team, mm-hmm. and it's very much this idea of the three of you working together on this major project. Mm-hmm. And then something from the something from future time. <clears throat> something from future time. Um, I'm curating a couple of shows at the start of next year, two solo exhibitions. Um, I don't want to say the name of the artist quite yet because it hasn't been announced yet. One oh. of them is a major international filmmaker. Okay. who's known for her practice internationally and we're doing a f- her first photography show in 20 years wow. which is looking back so alongside the f- film practice she makes images with medium format traditional uh, analogue photography and digital um, so that's going to be in uh, February and then the following few weeks later I'm curating a show with a really exciting early career artist which is happening uh, in I can name that one actually. So that's um, Serena Caulfield, who's an oh, artist in Wexford, yeah. and I'm curating her show in the Ballina Centre, which okay. will be uh, in March next year. It's interesting the terminology you, you talk about um, her as an early career, uh, um, as an early career artist, in the same way that um, that um, in in literary circles you talk about emerging writers, and um, and and quite a lot of the vocabulary that, really, that there is around where an artist is in their career. Um, and the sensitivities of of, of trying to a- achieve uh, what you might call success or notoriety, whatever it might be, um, it's a, it's a, you know it's a delicate tiptoe in your relationship. It with is, them. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, w- when you're acting as an advisor to an artist, do you have to think as an artist, or when you're helping a collector spend their money, do you have to think like them? Um, are you curating for the viewer or for the artist? Sorry, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions there. Um, I think it's, you know, having went through the art school experience, I know what it's like to be in an art studio with a paintbrush and just be frozen and not have that thing come out. Or I imagine it's the same for a writer or, or, or a musician where it just it's moments of freeze and you just need someone to come in and help you. So in terms of the artist, you know, I act... It's funny. I'll tell you a little sort of funny aside quickly. So I was at Troon Guthrie Centre a few years ago. And Troon Guthrie is this amazing place where you sit down and you'll have dinner together. And I sat down and, you know, sat, the space beside me was free and this person came and sat down. And I went, she looks really familiar. So we had a quick conversation. She said, what do you do? What's your background? And I said, I've been to art school. Don't make art anymore. She said, what do you do now? And I was a mentor, curator, collector. And she said, I'm going to stop you. You are an artist. You couldn't do your job without being an artist. Mm-hmm. I was going, really? And that person was Josepha Madigan, who was yeah. the Minister for Arts at the time, because yeah. she's a writer. Yeah. So for someone like that to tell you that you can only do your job because you're an artist meant a lot, even though I disagree with her politics completely. That sense of, you know, I, I'm good at what I do because I know what it's like. Too. And then in terms of the collectors, I mean, collectors collect for a number of reasons. They collect for themselves. They collect for... Um, their families, they collect for audiences. But, you know, ultimately, most collectors I work with, it's not about investment. Mm-hmm. It's about something they really love, mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, a painting, a photograph, a sculpture, 
a drawing, whatever it may be, it's trying to find what they love and yeah. they will spend time within their homes. And is that generally what you love too? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I love connecting collectors and collect and artists because mm. I think that's a very important relationship. And when I worked in London, I ran a programme around that um, called The Exchange and The Exchange was, was between collector and artist. And that's, for me, a really important part of the the gig because artists can't survive by themselves. They can't. Tell me, do contemporary artists ever leave contemporary art and revert to classical forms, to, to, to oils, to um, to, to um, narrative-driven filmmaking or to um, sculptures that have likenesses? <laughs> I mean, I, I've changed my thinking on this over the years. And yeah, I think now there's a place for everyone. Yeah. You know, regardless of your work is traditional, avant-garde, contemporary, conceptual. You know, one could argue that a bit like music, it's all been done. If you take up an electric guitar, Jimi Hendrix took it to its end point. Mm -hmm. So musicians now are having to think about that. The same with if you're a sculptor, you're not going to beat Michelangelo. If you're a painter, you're going to struggle to beat Leonardo. So it's just it's about how you then how you find your own voice in the arts now, whatever your art form may be. And it's about your individual nuanced approach. And even this morning, I'm talking to a couple of artists mentoring in Kilkenny, and that thing about the balance between having an over having a recognisable style but also having the ability to to experiment to challenge yourself to move and evolve and there are some places you go to like you know the annual exhibition the RHA mm. and you'll see a mixture of highly conceptual and highly traditional mm. and I think there's there's art for everyone and I think you know the word collector is an interesting term because it it it, it, it it gives people a sense of a grandiose approach to it but a collector can be spending 50 quid yeah you know, and it's like there's a collection in the UK called Chibank. When I worked there, they were one of the largest works collection of works on paper in the world, and they spend no more than one thousand pounds on each individual work. Okay, well that's encouraging. So to hear you can that do that. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be the big one million pound purchases. You know. Well, that's that's great to hear. And Eamon, I, I, you know, your work as a mentor and 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 part of that work is 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 actually here in Kilkenny in the arts office, um, and helping artists find their way. And I imagine it is a thriving place, um, and that Kilkenny has 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 come to have an increasingly important role in 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 uh, in how to help practicing artists live in the regions and and um and and still play on the world stage so um hats off to you for them i'm I, i'm conscious of time and i'm conscious that last week we um we um promised that we would talk a little bit about some things that might be on either here in Kilkenny or beyond or or away and um and so i, I instead of letting people down twice we're going to go straight <laughs> to that um and i'm going to ask you if you if you have any recommendations that that people might go and see, or books that that you you have come across or that are coming out, um, tell me a little bit about what what you're up to and where you're. So, I mean, we talked about it in the breakdown, and obviously she was here last week. But the Elizabeth Cope show in visual is astonishing, and for anyone living in this part of the world or anywhere in Ireland, that's that's a must see. That fifty years of practice is captured in an incredible exhibition. Um, further afield, there are. One of my favourite galleries in Ireland is The Dock, mm-hmm. which is an old courthouse in Carrick on Shannon. And it's beautiful because it's it's very domestic in scale. It's, they're big rooms, but very domestic. And there's a show opening there in a few weeks' time by Paul Hallahan, who's an artist who lives in Ballyshannon. Okay. And Cecilia Bullo, who's an artist from uh, Italy, who now lives in Dublin. And they're doing two exhibitions, which will be terrific, of sculpture and paintings. 
sculpture and painting alongside in the dock in Carrick and Shannon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that opens last week of November. Um, alongside that, then there's a, a really interesting show created by Graham Crowley, who was a former head of painting at the Royal College, which opens in the Highlands Gallery, another beautiful gallery in, in Drogheda, yeah. in an old church. And it opens that same weekend with a mixture of English and Irish painters. In terms of further, in terms of other things that inspire me, and I'm a big fan of music. Yes. Books I find hard to read, so music's my thing. So I'm really, 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 really excited about the next Cure album. Yes. Because it's going to be the last one, and the songs they're playing live are just astonishing. In terms of they're about death and the end of life and everything, and it's you know typical Cure. It's not easy, but the songs are beautiful and heart well heartfelt and there's songs about Robert Smith's mum's dying and his, his brother died during Covid and all that stuff that really emotive art It's funny I, I was I used the word melancholy earlier on in, 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 in talking about um, Lennon Cohen's work and there's a there's a really beautiful melancholy to Robert Smith as well yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the way in which he composes and, and I don't know whether there's a chance of us seeing The Cure back on doing the rounds live but um, They're playing in Dublin in December They are are they? Yeah well, yeah Great absolutely fantastic to go see yeah, yeah. so um, thank you very much Eamon indeed My for pleasure. joining us here in the studio and sharing something of your brain with us thank you and, um, and hope to see you around a lot soon it'd be a pleasure with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland this is The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jealous Carlo Kilkenny KCLR now, over the course of the series here, we'll be listening back to some of the world-renowned guests who have graced the stages of the Boris House Festival of Writing Ideas. And tonight we're going to hear from David Mitchell, the one who's been up for the Booker Prize a couple of times um, with Cloud Atlas and I think Utopia Avenue it was. Uh, here he's he's been asked by journalist Pat Frayne if he has to forego his family somewhat to be a writer and uh, he's at the Brownstown Dolman up the way in Carlo and he's having a painterly moment. I have quite a typical question but at the same time I'd love to hear your answer. It's about world building and escapism and how in a way your like world building is kind of like the method acting of literature. Was there books that were more emotionally tasking than, than others and and how you deal with escaping into your own worlds for hours and months? Thank you. Uh, that's not a typical question at all. In fact, I've never been asked it. Uh, so top marks for a completely original question, which is also why I'm speaking a lot now to buy myself time to think of a decent answer. Um, my answer is, that's not my problem. It's a problem for my family. Yes, you do have to stay plugged into a world when you're working on it. Because if you didn't, you would forget who everybody is and you'd be so busy rechecking that you, you never get round to writing in the next writing session so yes when you're world building and developing a cast of characters you are spending more mental minutes with them during the day than you are with the flesh and blood people around you and that's taxing to them because they'll ask me a question at the dinner table and they don't get an answer because I'm thinking or, or it didn't quite register that the question's for me, which is how I prefer to call it. Um, I guess I just get used to it. Uh, I mean, my wife might give you a different answer if she was here, but I just love doing it. It's You get into this trance-like state. I slightly intuit that you're a bit of a dreamer yourself and that you sometimes stare into space for a long period of time 
as in this place like this and the winds in the trees. I went to the Browns Hill Dolmen yesterday and just for a little while we had the place to ourselves, this 6,000-year-old being and it's planted in a field of corn and the corn's quite ripe and as a country boy you know that the vegetation is the instrument and the wind is the player and the sound of the wind in a pine tree is different to the sound of the wind in an oak tree uh, and the sound of the wind in a near in a nearly ripe crop of harvest it sounds like the sea I just noticed yesterday so we're a long way from the sea here but I was oh, it was amazing and I was just sort of speechless for a few minutes while my family was walking around sort of reading the signs and doing things and I love it I mean I'd stay there forever if I could I'd stay there on the Lotus Eaters island of world building I have to come back I have to eat I have to earn money I have to answer emails I can't stay there forever but just while I'm there I love it it's not taxing at all the taxing bit is coming back and remembering jeez it's half three I have to pick the kids up from school that's the taxing bit and so I suppose the trick is just to try and arrange things that you can stay there as long as possible and with luck when you're going downhill and the wind's behind you can earn some, something of a living from it that's maybe the secret of life that was the wonderful David Mitchell at the Boris House Festival of Writing Ideas concluding this week's show and I didn't get a chance to get my oar in with um, with uh, Eamon when he was talking about the various things that are on and I would like very much to mention uh, that David Keenan is launching his album Crude this Friday and Saturday uh, in Clears and there is a live chat with him online on the KCI website uh, I think from this evening so do, do not miss that he's a wonder and he also has come to live amongst us thanks then to uh, Martin here in the studio and Ethna to Eamon Maxwell, Pauline Scanlon and Gillian Grattan for their time this evening. With thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland, this is The Art Show on KCLOR with Hugo Jellis.